Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Thank you for tuning in to the JMU Sports News Podcast. Before we jump into the podcast, we have a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. And Jack, we're here to talk about how JMU has what appears to be a grade school-sized <laughs> men's basketball team. <laughs> Who's the tallest on the team? Is it Wooden at 6'9"? I want to say, I want to say, let me see what Kempom lists him as. He might be pulling from the, so Wooden, they, I think Wooden's actually listed at 6'8". I think he's technically... Uh, the tallest, because then you got Amadi and, and Sule feel like they're, you know, more like big men, but I think they're both technically listed at 6'7". Yeah, Amadi's 6'7", Sule's 6'7", Wooden listed at 6'8", and that's the tallest. 6'8", 225 is the tallest player on this team, is the biggest player on this team. Yeah, I mean it's it's a concern. They've they're struggling a little bit. They've lost three of their last four. The one win was a, a one point win. The game before that was an overtime win where they came back against William and Mary. You can make a strong case uh, that William and Mary should have won that game, right? That's a that's I a mean, win in William and Mary's I book, mean, right? You could make a case that every game that William and Mary has played against Division One opponents this season are just like a play away, a bad defensive possession, a bad call by the refs from being undefeated. I mean, it really is a shame that, yeah. what, they were 0-16 against Division One opponents, but that easily could have been 16-0. and It's just a shame. Yeah, 4-17 overall this year. And you're, you know, if you get some of those games, right, if you just have, you know, 20 or 30 possessions that go your way, next thing you know, you're 21-0, and and you're looking like, like a one seed. Yeah, I mean, no, we had some, <laughs> we had some fun, make, kind of poking fun at the the William and Mary sports blog account, which essentially tweeted like, "They're three and three, but if those games had gone differently, look where they'd be." And it was well, like, my favorite was that they said, "If they didn't blow the twenty three point lead, that would have been a loss." And it's like, yeah, <laughs> but you blew the twenty three point lead. Yeah, it's like imagine having to come back from a 23-point <laughs> deficit on the road. It's like, well, they did, though. <laughs> and it's like, I think it's more embarrassing that your team to allowed that. It. <laughs> like, I just thought that they thought it was a burn, but it's just like, I, I don't think this is the burn you think it is. Like, I had <laughs> thought that was a funny interaction. But no, I mean, like, JMU, from, from their perspective, they've been really frustrating the last five games, and even overall since since they came back from the COVID pause. But my thing is, like, I don't really understand the COVID pause excuse at this point. Like people are like, oh, they haven't been the same. 
which is true. But at the same time, they've played like seven games now since yeah. the COVID. But like, that's a pretty big chunk of time. I know you're off for like a month, but typically actually that time of the year around Christmas and the New Year's are lighter anyway. I know and they, they some, only missed really two games. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they had some games in there. That I was two or like two not conference, maybe the, the one opener with Towson that they actually have rescheduled now at the end of the year. But like, it wasn't like they missed a huge chunk. Also, like, I'm not sure how much playing Morgan State and like Penn would have. Maybe it keeps the rhythm going. I, I think going. that's the thing. But at this point, you you made the you made the point. They've they, they've played seven games. You don't you can't use the COVID pause as an excuse anymore. They were rolling to start. Good defense. Okay offense. You made this point. That defense was winning them games early in the season, yeah. and now they're by far the worst defense in the CAA. Best offense, they're scoring 85 points a game in conference play, 82, 95. The, William and, the UNCW and Elon games were a little, little weird. But all of a sudden, they're the worst defense. They have terrible uh, percentages against the two-point shot. They allow 59.2% from inside the arc. And then not much better from outside the arc, allowing almost 40% from three. The defense has just fallen apart. And to me, that's the weird part. Like, that yeah. talking to people around college basketball, you have to have buy-in to play good defense. You don't necessarily need great talent, you know? That's and what's they so... bought in at the beginning of the year, and now it seems like did they lose a couple and they know this season doesn't mean anything, so they don't care as much? Like, do you think that's what it is? I, I do wonder. Someone, I think TJ actually asked Byington about that on um, one of the more recent – like O'Neill's things where it's like, what do you like motivate them with at the end of the year? And he kind of just said that they're just going like game by game. So I don't, I don't think they have an end of the year motivation, which could definitely hurt you a little bit at some points for sure. I mean, some of it is like they haven't, I don't know what is up with uh, Alonzo Sule. I don't know if he had, um, if, if he was out with the pause or, or kind of what happened there, but his, his play has been sporadic in terms of like really limited minutes he seems like he's one of their best defenders um, in the post, at least just from like an anecdotal perspective. And he's kind of barely played recently. Hasn't played in all the games since the COVID pause. I don't remember if that was an injury or, or what it was, but that not have him fully playing hurts. Cause he's probably the closest thing you have to someone who can actually defend at the five, but in conference play based on just conference only stats with Ken Palm, they're the most efficient offense in the conference. They're shooting the three crazy well shooting the two really well. They're getting to the free throw line a ton, playing at a fast tempo, which has all those points. Their effective field goal percentage is incredibly high. But yeah, they're horrible defensively. The worst team defensively in the conference during conference play, the effective field goal percentage is the worst. I think the thing that stands out to me and we'll probably get into right now, I think you're excited to talk about, they're giving up the most offensive rebounds, at least the offensive rebound percentage, worst two-point defense, and they record like the fewest blocks in terms of block percentage, like percentages of possessions that have blocked shots of anyone. So the three-point defense has not been good, but I feel like people are like, oh, you know, if teams are hitting, you know, 10 threes and a half against them, you just got to put your hands up and, and tip your cap. And it's like, well, they're also getting murdered inside because they don't have a big. Yeah. And then on the rebounding margin, they're only down one on the season. So they average 33 rebounds a game. Opponents average 34 a game. So – only down one, but then you have to account for the fact that they played Carlo, Wright State, ODU, Eastern Kentucky. All these are sub-200 Ken Palm teams. 
Um, and you also, they have crazy huge, I'll confirm it, but crazy huge rebounding splits in the non-division one games. That's like what I'm huge. saying. Like, that's yeah. what I, like, like that, that I was going to get to Eastern Mennonite and like the two D three games, you're out rebounding them probably, probably 20, maybe 30, <laughs> which is just padding your stats so much. And that's the perfect segue into the fact that this team doesn't have a five, doesn't even have a four really. Like you have Wooden playing the five at times. You have Sule. Sule is probably your most traditional big and maybe Amadi too is who's just an undersized four, but you don't have a real five. I was talking with a friend of ours, Dom last night about imagine this team with Dwight Wilson, you know, imagine this team mm -hmm. with, and, and this is a question I actually want to get into later on in the podcast, which row era player would you wish didn't transfer and stayed and like would be playing with this team, but we'll get that into a bit. It's just the fact that they get murdered every night. And it's not even the fact that they're undersized. It's just that they don't seem to be able to compete down low. You don't necessarily need to be six, 10, seven foot to be a good rebounder. You have to be tenacious. Like, let's throw out all the, the cliches, tenacious. You have to be gritty and, and everything like that. The team just doesn't seem like they necessarily want to fight for rebounds down low. And I'm not trying to like be mean to the team. It's, it's a really hard spot. Rebounding is really difficult. You have to really want it. And they're literally playing for nothing. But yeah, I mean, that hurts. I think, I think it's literally just size in some cases. Like, like you look at the, uh, uh, let me pull up the name real quick. It was what Drexel, it was Amari Williams yesterday, 6'10, 250. And like there were times where he's just higher than them. So, I mean, like, I mean, I think in certain spots, they probably got to like, because of their size, you got to crash a little harder. Yeah. But there's also spots where it's like the dude's just literally like <laughs> four inches taller than most of the guys in there. Like you have a 6'10", 250 guy against like Terrence Edwards. What's he supposed to do? Yeah. And I like how Edwards rebounds, but like he was killing them. And then you had, uh, I think it's Iola, it might be pronounced differently, but the Hofstra big who's 6'10". There were also times in that game where it was like, good God, like this guy's clearly taller than everyone on the court. And the fact that they don't have one of those guys is just infuriating because they also don't have like a, like a tank. Like, they don't you know have a I mean? big like, body. Like the whole yeah. team is quick, and, and which goes perfectly to their tempo. I mean, what one of the fastest teams in the in the in the nation, one of the fastest in the conference. So I mean, yeah, you need to have smaller guys to run that tempo. But yeah, they don't have a tank. Justin Amati's probably Sule is probably the big guy, the tank of the team, and he probably and he doesn't even crack two fifty. He should. Like Amadi Wooden and Sule should be playing the three or the four. Like those, yeah. what, I would say Sule and Amadi are probably like fours. Wooden's more like a three. Who knows? The way so, Sule shoots the three, he might be a three. You could maybe stick him in a three, <laughs> yeah, because he has yeah, knocked down five of 11 threes. So he's been reliable there. But it's, it's hard, too, because if you play Amadi and Sule, they've combined to attempt 17 three-pointers in however many games they've played, 18. So, like, when they catch it, you really don't have to guard the three. Like, I know Sule's made some, but you really don't have to guard it. Yeah. So then it gets complicated because you have two guys who aren't stretching the floor, but you need them as rebound. Like, it, it becomes – it's a roster. Man, it, floor on a team that is predicated on stretching the floor. It's, a like, a flawed design a little bit. They're starting to play offensively the way they should, but they haven't uh, been great here defensively. And some of that is the CAA actually has some decent mid-major offenses, to be honest with you. Um, so it, it stresses them a little bit because some of these teams can score and they do have good players, but it's also, you know, it's frustrating because 
Um, there's nothing to play for. So if you're a JMU fan, I think a lot of people were hoping for like 20 wins and they're, they're 12 and six with 11 games left. Cause they just rescheduled one. You got to win eight of those. And, and they haven't really looked like they're going to be better than 500 in conference play, at least through the opening stretch. Yeah. And the, and the big key is just, I think this team is a completely different team. If they have a big, if they have a, if they have yeah. a five, if not even, I'm not even asking for like a seven footer or like a 275er, 270 pounder. I, I don't know how to say that, but like, <laughs> I'm not even asking for that. I'm asking for just like a 6'10", 250 kid. Bring in Kenny Lofton from La Tech. It's just hard when you don't like Dylan Painter, right? The Delaware big man. He's going to destroy us on Saturday. He's a beast. 6'10", 235. He's a Villanova transfer. Like that's the kind of thing you have to get it's kind of what we thought they may have had in Joel Mensa who obviously transferred out and, and didn't get a lot of playing time but that's the kind of thing like in the off season we were joke with you on the side where it's like every time they had a transfer Jack's upset because they're not six nine or above well that's kind of why it's like they clearly had one weakness on the roster yeah. and it was no big and this off season they have to address that it was it was the reason I was mad last year too is because you're adding all of these guards and last year Moore showed that he was good. Hodge's defensive abilities are lacking at times, but his offense showed that he was good. Um, the like wooden showed that he was good. And then they go out and what do they add? They add to call Molson. They add Tyree Hianacho. They add um, Sule, a bunch of guys that they already had. So they just copied and pasted positions one through four. And then they just completely forgot to even look at fives. I don't even think there was one that was rumored to be coming to JMU. No, like there, like, no. like there was never like reports that this random five from a Mac school or like from the Ohio Valley conference is coming. Yeah. Nope. It was never that it was to call Molson is what JMU is putting all of their sites towards. And it's like, why do we want another three who has the same exact skill set as Julian Wooden? I will say Molson's been really good. Okay, yeah, he's been great. I mean, fantastic. He, like, he's been a really good addition, and so has Falden. And, like, Terrence Edwards recently has played really well. And that almost makes it more frustrating. It's like they're stacked at guard. Like, one through three, I really like them. Um, they There's some defensive liability other than steals at times. But, like, one through three, they're pretty fun. And then you're like, oh, wait, they only have one through three. They just have... 12 of them <laughs> they just have an extra four threes so that they can just run those extras as fives and fours well the it's amount so of numbers we just threw out that didn't have anything to do with scoring <laughs> but like man it's, it's just i think it's kind of challenging if your entire defensive identity is like we're just going to create a ton of steals because they are creating a ton of steals but they're so bad at defending the two they're not even defending the three well, but their inability to block shots, their inability to like crash the glass the way they need to, they give up way too many offensive rebounds. Like you can't have that. And then just be like, if we don't get a steal, they're putting up a shot or they're getting their own offensive rebound, like 40% of the time in conference play, of course you're going to be in, in huge trouble. It is hilarious. Cause they're top 30 in turnover percentage. Yeah. Like nationally forcing. Yeah. Forcing turnovers. They are one of the best teams to do it, but every other defensive statistical category they are near dead last yeah it's also like you can't like they there were times where they're giving up open threes like uva had open threes but uva, UVA sucks just shooting. sucks offensively <laughs> so they they did that on purpose like that was the game plan that worked out but when you play like which is crazy to say but when you play like like a drexel <laughs> or like any of these a hofstra like they're better shooters than 
UVA, I would say. I think Drexel, I'll confirm that. But yeah, Drexel's like a top, almost top 50 nationally three-point shooting team. Whereas, you know, Virginia is a, a really bad three-point shooting team. They've gotten a little better recently, but um, they certainly sucked against for, um, against JMU early on. So, I don't know, it's just frustrating because they're good one through three, but uh, I think it's pretty clear they need to address, address that issue at the five. Yeah, so to the question I brought up earlier, which row era player, I'm talking like Darius Banks, Dwight Wilson, not Matt Lewis because he graduated and, of course, he stayed last year. Uh, maybe Deshaun Parker. I'm trying to think of other players from the row era. I think those were the big guys. Banks and Parker have both been solid on this team. I don't think they they do a whole lot. You know, what I mean? like I think they're they're kind of in that same mold where they're doing really similar things. Um, so I guess the guy you kind of look at is, is Dwight Wilson, although he didn't. I don't believe he came back this year, so he would have been nice. Did he graduate out? I believe so. Uh, but he's he's somewhere, or at least he's not playing. I don't know if he if something else happened. He might have gotten injured. Well, now I have to figure this out. <laughs> this is great podcasting. Silence. Wow. Still says Ohio University on his uh, yeah. Twitter. I think he must he must be out for the year or something then. Interesting. He was Although, one of the better. One maybe of the, the better maybe that Ken Palm stats are wrong. Or maybe I'm making something up. I don't know. That's a good question. But I think I guess he's still in college. If he was the he's the one you would want, right? Because he was actually getting really good under Rowe and uh, had a good year last year. He, I don't know why he hasn't played this year, but I'm very concerned. I'm I'm yeah, it says he returned. He's not played a game though. Must have been an injury or something. He's on their roster. Wow, this is terrible podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> all right but no I, I, okay oh, he lost he tore his acl okay perfect not before perfect the, for him. before not the, perfect for him, perfect but. before the season and they're still like really good so yeah he's probably the one right i mean he was last year he's averaging 14 points and, and seven and a half rebounds for an ohio team that beat virginia in the opening round of the ncaa tournament and granted everything we were saying he is six eight but he's 250 so he's a tank down low and just he had his own orbital field yeah and he was like close to averaging a double double at jmu his final year like he was he would have been a, a huge keep yeah and he's the, he's the kind of guy they need that's kind of what we're asking for we're not asking for like a seven foot we don't need you know paolo bancaro or chet holmgren or, or drew timmy walker kessler walker he yeah walker kessler he i heard some who, rumors that he was thinking he was about the one who was yeah he was rumored to go to jmu i heard a lot of that buzz i think um, he was created pick, by ended, uh, bennett conlin so. ended up picking auburn which you know, the jury's still out on if that's the right decision for him. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, neither one of them won the national championship this season. JMU hasn't won it, and Auburn also has not won the national championship yet. I mean, they're technically, you know, they're 19 1. Their only loss is double overtime on a neutral floor to Connecticut. But I don't know. I feel like he, life in, life in Harrisburg would have been good for him. So he might change his mind later in his career. We'll see. Uh. <laughs> I don't even know yeah. where to go from there. I don't even like, I think it, it also just is annoying too, not to get too complainy, but I was so excited about this basketball season. And now they're what three and four in conference play. I'm still going to watch every game, but it just doesn't, they got down by what? 10 last night. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> not being able to play in the conference tournament is a real, 
sour note on the season. So I wonder how they finish out because there's like the NIT is not in the picture. Um, maybe you're playing at like a CBI or something, but I don't, I don't know if you want to. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way, but it's, it's kind of disappointing, especially because they beat UVA Mason and ODU. If they had a really good start to the season and then they had that COVID pause, which did disjoint them a little bit, but defense has to get going. Um, I, I don't know. It's interesting too, with the, the fan response where it's like, you know, if they don't buy in, it's like they're winning games at the beginning of the year, like solely on the defense, like the offense was horrible. Yeah. Now the offense is clicking, but they can't seem to kind of match it up. So we'll see if they can at some point. Uh, good news is I would say the Elon game, they got run out of the gym, but the other ones, like they do have those other three conference losses. UNCW needed a buzzer beater on the last play of the game Yeah. to beat them. Drexel, that game was absolutely like up in the air until really late. Even the Hofstra game was super competitive and Jamie yeah. had bad possessions late. So like they're not playing good conference defense, but the offense is keeping a minute. So if they can just like improve a little bit, they certainly have a, a chance to rattle off some wins and be solid. It's just like it, it doesn't really fucking matter if they win. I, th- I think the craziest part is just like the, the script being flipped 100%. In non-conference play, they only breaks, broke 70 points against Division One teams three times. And now they've broken 80 points in every single game except for two in conference play. Yeah, that's all. It's just weird. And then I thought you were going to say something. You had a really intense sigh in. I had a really intense sigh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks. Thanks for that. All right. Um, And then the sad part is women's basketball isn't doing anything to make us feel better about it. Pretty bummed right now with <laughs> the entirety of my existence, but also how um, how the teams are kind of playing. I mean, like the women's team is fighting really hard. Claire Neff's out for the season now with an injury. Um, you add that with uh, Peyton McDaniel's out for the season. Just a bummer. So um, <laughs> I don't know. Like we'll see what happens. They had an article the other day, I think, talking to Shane Mellon about how like their goal is to win the regular season title. I have no idea how they could possibly do that. Well, they're four like, in two conference. I know, but like they've already like Towson's better than them. Delaware's better than them. They've already lost to both of them. <laughs> I I don't know. I think Drexel might be better than them. They haven't played them yet, so we'll see what happens. They're playing better. They're moving in the right direction. I think I like Coach O, so we'll trust it. And I think next year they're going to have a chance to to rally and make some stuff happen after that. Um, but yeah, they got to keep recruiting. They got to keep keep developing. And they got to finally get healthy. Like I've never seen. Like in football, you're going to bank on like some season-ending injuries. Yeah. They've had like the last like four years. How many season-ending injuries have they had? That, like, that never happens didn't, in basketball. Didn't Caradine, like Caradine went out with a season-ending injury last time. And then we've seen not season-ending, well, but had, Kamaya and Lexi went down at the probably the worst time to miss three weeks. Yeah, that was horrible <laughs> timing. They've had even in the past where they had like the precious hall injury where she came back and was really good the next season. Yeah. But like, I don't know. They just have had they some Kayla lot. Cooper Williams coming off of her CAA rookie of the year yeah. after she tore ACL in a big exhibition game. They've had some just <laughs> terrible injury luck. So to not have McDaniel or Neff, those are like two of ordinarily like starters. That's like, so, those are like options two and three on the offense, like all conference caliber players. So it, I don't know. That hurts a lot. We'll see what happens the rest of the year, but kind of bummed about that to be honest with you so it's it's a, it's a little sad and then we'll get into we'll get into softball at some point god like they lost a lot man 
like people were like, oh, how are they only ranked 25th? I'm like, they're ranked 25th? <laughs> That's crazy, man. Like, I know that they have Alyssa Humphrey back, but oh my God, they got a lot of seniors. They do, uh, is it Josie Polk or is it someone else? I think she's the, it must be someone else. She's really good though. But they've got some some freshmen who are expected to contribute. That's what it is. Kylie Gleason is a South Carolina transfer who's got a chance to step in and, and get in the lineup right away. But I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough for them. Baseball's got chased a lot or Jack. They could, I mean, you could give the baseball team like Otani and Trout, and they're still probably like below 500 in CAA play. <laughs> well, yeah, because Mike Trout's injured every year. <laughs> so we'll see if they can do it. They're always tweeting out. They're like, we got these guys who have these two guys in the pitching staff who have like, some of the longest consecutive scores inning streaks in Jamie history. It was like team ERA was like eight last year, but okay. So we'll see what happens with the pitching staff. <laughs> and then like, they've got guys who hit the crap out of the wall and they still never win. So is baseball, Fox Simone still on the team? I don't think so. Right. He has to be gone. I hope that Fox Simone is still on the team as I'm checking. I'm not seeing him on the roster. I think last year, but Nick Zona is still there. He's only a redshirt junior. He's like the new Fox. Nick Zone has been there for a while. I mean, not for that long. Feels yeah, like Fox Liam McDonald feel like he's been there forever. They got some guy, yeah, he's I think he might be one of the guys with the, I mean, they got, I don't know, we'll see, man. We'll see. Um, but uh it's hard because the other ones like a lot of lacrosse looks like they'll be really good. So they got that. But some of it is uh maybe not the easiest to view some of these. Um which makes it tough. So if you're excited about like softball or lacrosse or baseball, it's like, Lynn, you got to watch whatever the hell broadcast they can find. I mean, like you can play a college baseball. They play Florida state to open the season. There's no, I don't even know if that game's like guaranteed to be streamed. Maybe it is. Maybe Florida state has an ESPN. What are you talking about right now? (laughs) It's like your own side tangent about no, like even (laughs) college, even if you, uh, I don't even think you can watch it. So even, even if you're like, Oh wow, I'm really excited about chase the It's like, cool. Enjoy like watching live stats for four hours because you're sure as hell not finding a stream and you're probably not going to Tallahassee to watch Chase DeLauder play. I love how negative you like this podcast <laughs> is just slow. <laughs> if you got uh if you got money to send us to to go in the middle of February to Tallahassee to watch him play, hit us up. But most people probably aren't spending a few hundred dollars to watch him get spanked uh because they can't pitch. And he, he will right. hit, he'll hit four. Give anything else, <laughs> anything else to add as, as you spiral so, into darkness. It's ridiculous. No, I'm just so bummed. Like football season ended, and it's supposed to be like this exciting Sunbelt time. They won't even announce what the hell is happening with the Sunbelt because the Conference USA is blocking all that stuff. So then it's like, oh, cool. We might as well tune in and watch the basketball guys. Can't get a stop, Jack. Can't get a rebound because they're all 6'6. <laughs> So, no, I don't have anything else. They're playing hard. I'm excited about what the direction of the program. It just feels like the next few months are going to be a bummer. But if that's a very negative, extremely negative <laughs> situation, it's probably going to be way better than that. I don't care. To me, it feels like the next few months are an absolute bummer. So I'll see you, I'll see you in the fall. <laughs> Jesus. This is just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled. You don't even well, you know, women's golf will get you excited. Women's tennis will get you I'll excited. I'll see you in September when they play when they fail to play a Sunbelt football schedule and they play Sam Houston State four times and UMass three times and Norfolk State twice. Doesn't that sound like a treat? What about Louisville? 
They're going to get smoked. Mikael Cunningham's going to run for like 500 yards, throw for another 300. Badly is the only quarterback in, uh, in, I think, in D1 history to have 275 rushing yards and passing yards in a season. That'll change on November 3rd, 2022, when Mikael Cunningham. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was, um, it's is that how you pronounce game. his name? I think so. Okay. He changes the spelling like annually. Okay. Cause I thought it was, Malik. It was Malik. I can't remember what he's on. He could still be back on Malik. It was at one point it was Malik. At one point it was spelled Mikhail. Maybe he pronounces it Malik. So Cunningham, Malik or Mikhail, depending on his mood that semester, I think. All right. Well, anything else you got to add? Any other um, uplifting things you're looking forward to? I think I think the next podcast will probably be way more positive. It's um, I don't know. It's just disappointing a little bit with basketball to have them kind of both of the teams in the doldrums. Cause you know, when the men normally, when they were a little bit down, it was like, Oh, the women's team would be up. They're having a bad injury like this year. And uh, I am excited for some of the stuff to start. So I, I fingers crossed that some of those early softball games yeah. are televised. Um, I don't think that Charlotte one will, but maybe it'll be there. So I might head on over to watch that and live stream it from my phone. Yeah. So. That'd be weird, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens in Florida State if you want to get on that streaming so that we can watch Chase the Water. That'd be cool. Go four for four with four home runs and then lose, and we'll lose by, by 14. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. For Bennett Conlin, uh, this has been, oh, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. This has been the Jamie Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.